Amen. So, um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I had a, a great time. It was Thanksgiving this week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. You know, I, was, I was pretty fired up because they actually took the whole week off. And so I think for me it's the first week off I've had in you know, at least a year. So it was great to have a whole week in a row just to prepare me uh, to be ready for time with friends and family and, and to enjoy, you know, and hopefully you've got some extra time off from school or from work. You know, it's also, if you listen to the radio or go into a store, it's actually now it's finally a legitimate time to hear Christmas music, <laughs> you know. I mean, we've been having Christmas music since before Halloween, but it's legit now. So you actually, it's okay. You can, you can say to people that you really like Christmas music. You know, I, I'm even surprised. You know, we, we traditionally uh, decorate the house for Christmas a little into December, but I'm surprised, you know, with Facebook and Instagram, you get to see everybody's pictures of them setting up their tree and doing all that stuff, and you go, hmm, okay, I guess maybe it's time for us to start doing that kind of stuff. You know, I saw some Christmas boxes sitting around the house last night that Jeanette had brought out from somewhere, wherever they they reside. But, you know, as soon as I think that, then I look at my watch and I say, oh my goodness, it's less than a month till Christmas. And then, you know, like most men maybe, just panic sets in. You go, oh, have I missed it already? And uh, then I'll probably will resurface about Christmas Eve and panic again. But, you know, we even, I, I, I really, Black Friday is like the last thing I ever want to do. You know, I've shared before, I don't like going to Kohl's so much. I don't like going and shopping places. But we needed to buy, you know, an appliance. And, it, and everybody says that's the right time to buy appliances. So we went and we, we went to a, a couple of the uh, usual suspect places you want to go to do that and ended up sometime on Friday morning at Best Buy. And not we didn't buy, you know, we didn't buy anything there. But there was lines around the store inside. I think they artificially only had one cashier just so the line could be all the way around the store, you know, with people with their shopping carts loaded with multiple TVs and all those things. But it gets my brain going then, you know. Oh, no, it's Thanksgiving. I haven't completed all of my shopping. Oh, scratch that. I haven't completed any of my shopping. You know, oh, no, it's Thanksgiving. Um... Christmas cards, if you send those out, this is, most people are really squared away, have taken their pictures, gotten everything done. Nothing. I've done nothing of that. You know, then you go, wait a minute, how will I afford to pay for all this stuff in December? Then you think, wait, it's December. What happened to 2000 and, is this 17? <laughs> it's like, I'm almost ready to start writing 2018. You know, where did the year go? You know, it, it gets you in a panic. And, uh, you know, I like to think, you know, it is, it is November, but what I like to do is, is try and prepare for things in advance. I'm learning a little bit about that. You know, one of, the, one of the things early on in child raising that I did poorly was we lived uh, by the ocean. And so everybody, not us, but everybody else has a boat and kids go swimming in the ocean and, and every so often people drown. You go, well, I should prepare my kids for swimming. Well, we didn't do that. So my oldest was seven or eight, and we went on like a long weekend in the summer, and we went to the pool, and he jumped in the deep end and went right to the bottom. And I jumped in, because I know how to swim, and I yanked him back out, and I said, you know, let's get you some swimming lessons. And literally ten minutes later, he did the same thing again. So we made a rule 
that all of our kids had to go to Y swimming until whatever it is, you know, flying fish, uh, whatever it is, some level. And so they all hate swimming. So I've now accomplished my mission. They all can swim, and they all hate it, but they're prepared. <laughs> you know, and I think about this time of year that I know, you know, it, it's, it affects different people differently, right? You know, some people around Christmas time, they become nicer people. That's a good thing, right? That's encouraging. You know, of course, some people don't. You know, and most of them are driving cars or parking, right? And so you go and try and park, and it can be a little bit stressful. Or, you, you know, shopping can be stressful. Or getting the house ready, some people like that. Some people hate that. Sometimes you have to travel, driving, flying, going to new places with old family or old places with new family or, you know, those types of things. Sometimes you recall great times in your past. And sometimes you recall bad things, right? And it's sometimes, for some people, it's very encouraging. You know, sometimes for some people, it's, it's not encouraging. And so I like to think it's that elephant in the room that we never talk about in time. So what I want to do today is spend some time thinking about, you know, how we get ready spiritually for the holidays before it's even the holidays. So you can be thir- thoroughly prepared or slightly prepared, at least have thought about it before it, it shocks you like it has shocked me already. And so that's what I'm going to try and do today. And I'll have to confess, you know, I'm not in the Christmas spirit yet. You know, it's like, and I usually get there, just not on Thanksgiving week. So that's not really, you know, my expectation. I'm not, we're not singing Christmas carols today. I'm, you know, not going to leave that anyways. But I really want to try and help us think about, you know, how do we get ready, you know, for what's coming up so we really can, you know, have a great time. You know, I I thought I was going to, you know, I like the song we sing occasionally called, you know, Jesus, you're the one, you're the only one. And I couldn't figure out how to work that into my message exactly. But it really is, that's the theme, is Jesus is the one. It's putting Christ in Christmas, thinking about that. How do we remember Jesus in this time when everybody else is remembering Jesus who usually doesn't? And so let's look over in Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to most in Colossians today. So if you uh, go back to it this week, you certainly can uh, reflect on these things. But in Colossians 1 and verse 15... <coughs> My first point is, really, let's keep the power of Christ in Christmas. It says in verse 15, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he's head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, Jesus is supreme over everything. Now, you may be like me. When I hear the word supreme... I think of two things. I think of a type of gasoline, Supreme. That's the kind I never buy because it's too expensive. Or maybe you think of Diana Ross and the Supremes, right? But, you know, Supreme, you know, whatever you think, Jesus is above that. Jesus is in control, in charge over everything. In fact, Jesus, it says here, he's the image of the invisible God. 
or image. Now, I specify looking at this. You know, nobody ever painted a picture of Jesus that ever knew him. I don't know if you knew that. They sort of they considered it in their thinking at the time that that making an image of God was wrong. And so it wasn't until 200 plus A.D. that anybody ever painted a picture of Jesus to catch his image. So we don't even really know physically what he looked like. It's all a guess. And, you know, you dig into that some more, you find it's probably poor guesses for the pictures that we have. So clearly here, Paul's not saying that we have a visible image of an invisible God. But he is saying we have a physical, we understand what Jesus said, what he did, how he loved how he behaved and what happened to him, how he was resurrected, we understand that through those things we, we get to see God who is invisible. You know, he's over all created things, all spiritual things, all physical things. So anything that is bothering you, concerning you, worrying you, Jesus is over that. There's nothing that you're troubled about that he's not in control of. In fact, he controls all rulers. Calls that out right there. That means Donald Trump, Kim Jong-il, Vladimir Putin, and all the other ones that, you know, that maybe are, are lesser on the top of our prayer list. He controls all those, all those rulers. He's got the mayor of Burlington, and he's got your, uh, your congressman, all in control. You know, and when I think about that, just how supreme Jesus is, you know, part of me is an engineer. Now, you know, if you pull out my, my um, grades from college, you'll say I wasn't a very good engineer. But nonetheless, I, I made it through. But, you know, I tend to look at the complexity of things. You know, how, how difficult things are. You know, just sort of consider it. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, that God, that Jesus created every person. When you think about the biology of a person, you know, that there's DNA in every cell. And so the DNA of a cell has all the information required to make every, every cell in that body, the brain, the feet, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, everything. And in fact, to create what those parts need at any specific instance or scenario in time. And even if you dig down inside the cell, there's pieces in there, like the mitochondria, for example, that convert the, uh, that create energy in your cells at that very minute, small level. That inside the nucleus, you know, there's DNA, there's RNA. They're just amazing things. And, you know, for me, for the most part, those are a lot of things I memorized. And, but you think about it, that complexity was created by God. He has the ability to manage not just the hairs on your head or to know the names of all the sparrows, but he has the ability to know the names of every compound that's running around and all those hormones in your entire body and their extreme complexity. You know, my daughter is, is working on a degree in genetics and she was excited because they, at her school they have an electron, some kind of electron microscope that can actually look down into and see the double carbon bonds, which... You know, it's good because, you know, I, I don't think they really exist, but she says she's seen them, so they must exist. But, you know, imagine, imagine that creator, that creativity, that perfection. You know, that's, that's God. You know, He is the one. And He's also, He's the head of the body of the church. So not just in the body body, but in the spiritual body. He's, uh, he's in control of everything that goes on, you know. You know, we need to allow our spiritual lives to be led by Jesus. We need to do that by taking the time, you know, to follow his commands, uh, to take the time to love God and to love people like he did. 
And it's even more exciting, you know, he's, it says that he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one that made it out alive, so to speak, right? He really gives us the hope that not even death is going to be, have power over us. You know, and even though, you know, we're all going to die. I don't know if you caught on to that. It's a guarantee. You know, I think only one person in the Bible ever walked right into heaven, right? Everybody died. Um, but and we're going to die. But we have we have the confidence that Jesus is going to take us through that, and we have the ability even today to have the fullness that God has promised us. You know, every word that Jesus said was exactly what God wanted him to say, and he took the time not only to say them but to shed his blood on the cross to reconcile us to Him. Keep on reading in in, in, the, in the Colossians chapter one and verse twenty one. It says. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you, can, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You know, before I was a Christian, uh, I was alienated from God. I was an alien. You know, wow, what's an alien? Like, I basically had made it so bad that I was separated from Him. You know, I I deliberately sinned. You know, maybe you never did that. I deliberately sinned. You know, I didn't give God any glory or any credit. You know, in fact, at times I was smug enough to say that God doesn't even really exist. You know, Romans 1 talks a little bit about that. You know, it says you get to a point where God just gives you over to your sins. Just to go and figure out new ways of doing evil. You know, that's how we were before we were Christians, right? And when you look around us, everyone around us in the world is in that same boat is not a Christian. They're in that place where, you know, it's, it's just the norm for them. You know, I was thinking about this, and if I'd have been a little more prepared probably I would have had some slides and I have this great picture of Jeanette under the Christmas tree you know black and white it was our very first Christmas that means we were just I was just barely 20 years old Um, there's not much under the Christmas tree because there wasn't much to put there but you know for me that was I had a great time at Christmas and I wasn't a Christian I wasn't following Jesus. It was just a great, it was a great celebration. It was a great thing. It was a very encouraging time, even without Jesus. How much more will Christmas be for you, your family, your friends, if Jesus is there? If Christ is in your Christmas, if you're taking advantage of his power and what you're thankful for and what you're excited about. You know, it says here that I am free from blemish and accusation. You know, if I continue in my faith and I don't get cut off from the hope that's in the gospel. You know, it's interesting. There's lots of funny things going on these days. I, I saw something on the news where there's a new scam. And it's, it's maybe it's an old scam, but with, with your phone, they can actually, I can call somebody and I can pretend to be somebody else's number. It's like, let's think about it. I could call Ralph and I could have it pretend to be Kristen. So on his phone, it would come up Kristen, right? And so the, the scam they did is they took the reporter's mother's number and he called it. So the mom picks up, hey, whatever the reporter's name was, and the guy just real quickly goes, hey, 
I'm filling out this form, and I, I don't remember my social security number. Could you give it to me? And she gave it to him, and he hung up, and gave an example of how someone could masquerade, could pretend to be somebody else very easily. And you think about that, okay, what? That's good to think about, but you know, 2 Corinthians talks about that Satan is doing the same thing with us. He's trying to outwit us. He's trying, he has schemes and scams and plans and things he's figured out. You know, and the people that he's using are other people in this world. He's using them to bring on the scams and schemes. And I think we just have to be aware because Satan, you know, he wants us to live in fear. He wants us to be afraid, afraid of death. You know, and without Jesus, I was in fear. I would stay in fear. Because when you get afraid, you forget who is what? Supreme. Remember? Not Diana Ross, not a brand of gasoline, Jesus. As long as Jesus is supreme, there's no reason to fear anything. I don't have to fear that scam. You know, even if they do talk my, you know, my family members to give it my social security number, it'll still be okay. But God is in control of those schemes. You know, look over in Hebrews 7. I thought Carl did a great job here and uh, with this verse, which was on my... So we'll just hit it really briefly here since we already spent some time you know, looking at it in communion. But in, in Hebrews 7.23 it says, Now there have been many of those priests since death have prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. You know, not only is Jesus interceding for us, but he is able to completely save even those people like me who were deliberately sinning, who were deliberately avoiding God. He has the power to overcome anything because he himself has conquered death. We really do have Christ that brings power to our lives. All right, look over in Colossians chapter 2. So Colossians 2 and verse 6. So the second point I want to hit just briefly is keeping our spirit, the spirit of Christ with us in Christmas. So in Colossians 2 and verse 6, it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. You know, I think about it rooted and built up in him. So I have a new appreciation, or an ongoing appreciation for roots around here. You know, so um, we, uh, well, I I help Jeanette. She does most of the unrooting. I'm really there for, you know, moral support. But she took on a bed this spring that the, the ter- that the parsnip had taken over. And uh, if you've ever had to dig out parsnip roots, not only is it nasty stuff, it'll burn you if it's sunny out, but they just, they're like dandelions to the max. The roots go down for miles into the ground. And so we soon realized that this bed that she had planned to put stuff in was uh, secretly holding all of the, the parsnips in our whole yard in this small space, it seemed like. And so she dug them out. But you think about it, in that parallel, I mean, God invented roots. And so this whole idea of being rooted in Jesus allows you then to grow up and build up from him allows you to be strengthened in your faith allows you to be overflowing with thankfulness and that's really the thing I think we've got to think about as, as, as followers of Jesus what are we doing uh, to really be deeply rooted in our relationship with Jesus 
You know, I, I typically think of the holidays maybe a little farther along, closer to Christmas. You know, it feels like, you know, by about you know, December 21st or so to about New Year's Day, it feels like there's not much going on. Maybe there's not much work going on, hopefully. There's no school going on. And in your mind you go, this is going to be a great time to really dig deep and be well-rooted in my relationship with God. You know, and, you know, I've been doing this for a few years. I always think that way, and it rarely works out to be that way because of all those things I said earlier, because you're traveling and you've got people over and you're buying gifts or you're using gifts or whatever. You know, it seems like it becomes even harder. Is it just me? Anybody else feel that way? Yeah. Amen. You know, so I think number one is we've got to start now. You get those roots deeper, get in the habit, the pattern of Praying every day. You know, praying with people in your life. You know, so praying with your spouse every day. Having devotionals with your children. Maybe every day. They'll be out of school, right? Having times where you're really trying to reinforce the word, discipling your children. You know, really making the effort to be a great husband or dad. You know, I think for us men, it's really it's a time to uh, be more humble. You know, really asking those questions like, am I making you feel loved today to our wife, to our kids? Um, And I think the flip side, the same thing to be great wives and moms, really taking that effort, you know, through prayer, through communication. But, you know, then also getting into the word and letting the word dwell on us richly. You know, it can be as simple as taking a, a verse and writing on a card and putting in your car when you commute, putting it in your kitchen, in your office, and just reflecting on that scripture over and over again and letting it dwell richly. Let it be something you put into your life. I think even as you think about when you get together with other disciples, you know, I think you do better when you're in the fellowship. You do better whether that's midweek, whether that's, you know, whether that's Sunday, even when you're traveling, figuring out how you make that happen because you do better spiritually when you're around spiritual brothers and sisters. So I think even making that decision, what will I do to be consistent in my relationship with Jesus uh, today and allow that to carry me through, allow me to really rely on the strength that he has promised me. And then lastly, I think it's, you know, and I couldn't keep, like I had keep the power, keep the spirit, but the last one is, Give the gift of Jesus. I couldn't figure out how to keep the gift, even though, you know, maybe that would be interesting. Let's go over in Colossians 3 and verse 12. Excuse me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Uh, If any of you has agreements against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, if you think about that, clothing yourself. Now, everyone here looks completely clothed, you know. And, amen, that's a good thing. (laughs) And even, you know, as it gets colder, like part of what I have a problem with right now is what do I wear? You know, because it's, uh, it's kind of cold outside, but not really. 
Like, like you almost feel embarrassed. Like if you're wearing a jacket, right here you can't walk into a store with lots of heavy clothes on. People look at, what are you, a wimp? <laughs> you know, it's, come on, it's only 30 degrees out. You know, you should be in a t-shirt and shorts, you know. <laughs> and so you almost find yourself, well, I'll, I'll take some of it off. You know, and I think some of that is, you know, when we think about clothing ourselves with these characteristics of Jesus, you know, <clears throat> you know can I really be compassionate? You know, that's not really my nature, but I can. You know, can, can I really be kind? You know, it's when you put the things on completely. Like, you can't just sort of partially wear compassion. I'm going to be a little bit compassionate. Well, if you can, you know, it really, it really is harmful, right? It, uh, it hurts. You know, if you uh, I'm compassionate 10% of the time, but not the rest of the time. You know, I just realized something. You know, see my, my clock here? For those of you who read well, it says 1109. And it's actually 11.30 because I was trying to make sure I could have a clock there to watch. So I will finish it pretty soon. Darn. The Lord has made the clock stand still. It's awesome. You know, but you think about these. I, I would even encourage you, go through the list. I mean, some of them are easy for some of us. You know, some of us are just naturally kind people. Some of us are naturally patient people. Some of us are naturally none of these things. But we should look for the things that we don't have and really strive to clothe ourselves. Because you don't have to put clothes on you're already wearing. You put on clothes that you need to wear. You know, because it says that when we get all these on, you know, we can even forgive as the Lord forgave us. You know, we can have perfect unity. And as you continue on, you know, there it, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God through Him. Be peaceful. Be thankful. And let the word dwell in Like I was saying earlier, as you get in there and you really think about, what is it that I need to clothe myself with? What is it that I'm really missing? Um, I will uh, leave it for your notes to look in Galatians 5. Uh, there's a list of things in Galatians 5 uh, that says that there is no law against these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, the exciting thing is, as we really reflect on Jesus, we can, be a, we can really stand above the, the uh, horrors of the holiday season, the stress, the grief, the pain. We really can be that light if we just focus on letting our lives be conformed to Jesus. Uh, I love you guys. I'm, hopefully we'll keep that elephant out of the room and really allow ourselves to focus on Jesus. Amen.